Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm the Gnarly Gnome. This is Sensi Brewcast. It's the voice of Sensi Craft. We're doing this gorilla style today. We just kind of showed up in a tap room and uh, commandeered a table in the back and set up a podcast. This is not a show about them, though. This is a uh, this is a really, really kind of different show. Something that I've never done before, and um, uh, I'm kind of excited, excited in a, in a weird way. It's, it's kind of sad too. Like it, uh, <laughs> it's uh, so we're talking about. Um, in, in, in the bigger sense, we're talking about when breweries don't work out the way we all want them to. Um, in kind of a hyper-focused sense of that, we're talking about Queen City Brewery of Cincinnati. I'm sitting with, in Blue Ash, I think I have to throw that in there. Queen City Brewery, <laughs> Queen City Brewery of Cincinnati in Blue Ash. <laughs> sitting with Jason Cerniak. Uh, new dad, Jason Cerniak. Yep. Congrats on that, by the Thank way. You. Thank you. Um, and welcome back to the show. Um, very different type of episode this time. Not sitting in the uh, the tap room there in Blue Ash. Instead, we're out here in Milford at Little Miami Brewing Company. Because, you know, we guess we can say that because we're going to be drinking their beer throughout the episode. So, um Welcome back to the show, man. How yeah. have, how have things been? Uh, you guys closed your doors in 2019. Is that right? Yeah, it was. Uh, I believe it was September of 2019. So you know, right before um, everything kind of went crazy in the world with the pandemic. Coming That's through true. And that timing like that. is 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 crazy. There, just you know, a few months after that, uh, all hell really broke loose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely did, and. It was almost serendipitous, you know, just the way things kind of uh, rolled out for us and the timing of us closing everything. Um, you know, we, we definitely didn't want to close our doors. We wanted to keep everything going as long as possible. But um, just with the timing of the lease, timing of right. the pandemic, everything kind of happening, it, it, it kind of worked out in, in a oddly good way, if you can kind of look at it that way. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah. So it's been, been a little bit, been a little bit. <laughs> and then, uh, in the meantime, you've gotten to kind of refocus into the, the family and, uh, and, and, and a whole different side of life. Than, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I think that, um, man, I, I we, there's a lot of rabbit holes we're going to go down on the show, but let's, let's start things off by drinking a beer because, uh, it is after all a craft beer podcast. I think that's the right button. There it is. Um, we have uh, a makeshift flight because, uh, as we learned when we got up to the bar, they don't do flights here. Um, we also learned they do flights if you just order a bunch of beers. <laughs> so we have what uh, what shift beers like to call a Josh flight, which is where you just get a flight of full beers. Um, uh, uh, I think we started. Um, this is the uh, Blackbird. It's black black blackberry blackberry wheat, I believe. I'm looking at my cheat sheet. Uh, Blackbird fly, uh, blackberry wheat. Um, let's let's dive into that one. Yeah. Assuming we got these in the right order when we set them down. Uh, cheers. Cheers, brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely blackberry wheat. Uh, super crisp, refreshing. Uh, this would have been really good yesterday when it was 70 degrees outside. Um, we could have sat outside by the river and sat in the sunshine. Not today. It's rainy and gross. This yep. makes me makes me ready for the spring. It's good beer. Uh, not like so. I think when we talk about wheat beers, there's very different personalities to what a wheat beer is. There's kind of the lighter American wheat, which is what this is. Versus what I think a lot of people think about when you think of German Hefeweizens and, uh, and stuff like that. These big kind of uh, bold, yeasty kind of things. This just gives it kind of some, some body and um, it's good beer. Yeah. Any, any thoughts? 
No, I think it's it's pretty good. Um, I think the, maybe the last time I came through here, they had this on tap because it definitely tastes familiar. But, you know, when you have so many beers in your past, right. um, <laughs> it's kind of hard to, to place them all. But, no, it's definitely very good. Um, very refreshing to your point. Yeah, um, definitely can uh, be complimentary to a very warm day outside or just kind of hanging out, you know, especially after you cut the grass or something like that. Oh, yeah. um, so definitely very refreshing. Yeah, very it's, refreshing. It's amazing to me how... Um, how situational beer is to me. And I, I don't know if it's the same way for everybody, but there are some beers that I really, really want to drink, that, you know, certain times a year, certain situations that I'm in or with certain people or, you know, certain environments, like the, the beer just kind of fits into that versus other ones. Um, and while this this beer is amazing, this is not what I would normally pick for a day like today. I'm, I'm going, you know, smoked porter or something like that, something a little bit hardier. Right. <laughs> but yeah. but I, I love this. It does kind of remind me of those warmer days. Um, let's, let's dive into things. So Queen city brewery, you guys opened your doors in 2016. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, which was right when kind of that, that boom was happening in the city. You know, it was, um, uh, I don't know exactly what number you guys were in the city. Probably if we want to count the, the Millers and the Sam and uh, Hofbrau house. And so you're, you're probably in the thirties as far as how many breweries were open before or when you guys opened your door. So it was like kind of right when things really started exploding. Uh, yet you guys had a very distinct personality to what Queen City was compared to some of those other places. We had seen the success of massive tap rooms like Rheingeist or Madry or, you know, any one of the other ones you want to name. And you guys went the complete opposite direction, went nano brewery, went kind of that, um, I know Matt Damaris has called it the, uh, the dive bar tap room before, uh, clubhouse, you know, all those kind of those, 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 uh, uh, qualifiers that people kind of put in front of it. Talk about that a little bit. Talk about kind of what Queen City was, how you guys did things different than than what other places were doing. Yeah. Um, so the original, you know, goal that we had or the original plan that we had actually wasn't to be, um, as they said, like Matt Damaris said, um, a dive place or anything like that. Like we actually did have some very large ambitions. I hate calling it a dive, by the way. I, <laughs> I, I yeah, but like when you kind of look at it in hindsight, um, almost a, a, an older friend of mine from a previous job, he kind of referred to it as like a speakeasy, like almost that old school place as a, you know, as off the beating path as where you went for you know, delicious beer, um, and where police people can go just to meet up, hang out, or meet new people, interesting people, right. you know, just not the run of the norm uh, type situation. But you know, I think our our original vision was something much larger. Um, our, at least my original vision, I'm not really sure if, if all of our uh, original members would agree to it, but it was more something along the lines of where it's almost like a, a cohabitat or a co-working type environment sure. where, yeah, we had the tap room, but it was, I was envisioning something much larger where we would be able to rent out space, whether for restaurants or for uh, you know bakeries, use our spent grain and stuff and you know things along those lines and also have apartments. So I was actually looking almost like doing almost like a, a whole city planning type thing almost. Right. But, you know, as we kept looking into and diving into it, plus we were at the time, we were in our very um, young, or early 30s. Some of us were in our very late 20s. Um, so it was also, we didn't really have a whole lot of money. Um, was it the first business that all of you guys had started? Yeah, or was there anybody that, Yeah. yeah so or no, I mean, just in general. In had general. It, had anybody else started any businesses no. before that? So, I mean, that's it's a lot to jump into. It is. It's, it's a lot to jump into. And, you know, I think we we had different mindsets and, and we wanted to go on different paths. Like, my whole mindset was, hey, let's, let's try to put something together, like a quality product, and start kind of, you know, pitching it around to try to get some investors. Because right. I also had this idea that, well, if we want it to be something that's going to be big and impactful – 
you know, you do need money to do that. Sure. Um, things didn't really work out that way. And, and, and part of the group that I was with, you know, they looked at it as, well, if we don't open our doors soon, then we're going to miss the window or we're going to miss that, you know, the boat, so to speak. Um, so I think we had some differing opinions there. And so that's where I, you know, we really kind of shopped around. We were really looking for something that was affordable, something that we could try to turn around real quick in terms of, you know, construction and things like that. And that's where we kind of settled on in, uh, in Blue Ash. Um, you know, and going through that, that's when I really kind of was like, yo, all right, so let's put the other dream aside from now. Let's use this as like a starter, uh, almost like the mad tree environment, right. you know? Right. Um, and, and, you know, it's kind of from there, it was like, all right, let's try to build something here. And that's where we decided that, you know, we're not really going to be the run of the mill type brewery. There's no, I'm not trying to cast aspersions or right, right. anything along those lines, but I wanted to be different. I wanted to stand out. And I think that's where, you know, you could really see it. Um, Granted, we didn't really get to accomplish all the things we wanted to accomplish in terms of, you know, the internal build out, the decoration, sure. things like that. But we're still, at the time, at least we were thinking, well, let's still try to go off of the, the original motivation for these breweries in Cincinnati. Because, you know, a lot of them were, and I hate to say it, but like hole in the walls. Um, they were off the beating paths. I mean, even like looking at Blank Slate. I remember the first time we tried to even go to Blank Slate, uh, myself and a friend of mine, we, we couldn't find it, right. you know? So, but then we found it, it was like, oh my God, now we're never going to forget where it's at. Well, and, and, and when you look at the timing on all of that stuff, you know, in, in 20, uh, 2016, you know, Blank Slate was uh, towards the end of its lifespan. We didn't know that at the time, obviously, but it had, it had started, started to get a little more popular. People had started showing up. There was, there was a TV in the tap room. Now there was, you know, food option in there. Like it was, it was different, you know, mad tree going into 2.0. Like, I don't remember that was probably about that time too. Right. Like it, it was, was pretty close. I think it was like, um, if I remember correctly is 2018 mad tree went to 2.0 or something sounds, like that I, or, or completed the build out. Yeah. I can't, but, but the news was there. we knew that they were moving into this big facility. You started to see these big, these big changes in the smaller places that people had fallen in love with and you see them growing, which is great, but it changes the personality. And so like to find a way to kind of pull yourself back into that, uh, that, that thing that so many of us fell in love with when we got into craft beer, you know, it, it was, you know, you pull into some weird industrial park and there's just a door with a sign on it and you stumble in and it's, Oh my God, this is, this, this beer is great. The, the people are great. This is, this is fun. Um, as craft beer has grown, we've lost a bit of that, and so it was nice to have a place like you guys that that was kind of a almost a throwback to that uh, uh, that the, that early kind of side of craft beer. Um, what went wrong? Uh, I think a, a few things went wrong. Um, you know, again, this was our first venture into owning a business or starting a business. Um, so I think you know, from some some standpoints, there was some financial um, constraints that aside from, you know, finding a place that we wanted building out the way we wanted to. But then, you know, when we first opened, we didn't have, you know, glycol jacketed fermenters. Sure. We just had single wall fermenters. And before we actually opened our doors, we were already upgrading our equipment. So it wasn't, uh, I guess, a, a really smart way to kind of go about it. Um, <laughs> even in, And then like, even in hindsight, like looking at that space, like we had this one uh, room that was right next to our, ta our, our brew space. And that room, was actually didn't matter how hot it got in the brew space and no matter how cold it was in the tap room or anything like that, that room stayed about 66, 68 <laughs> degrees year round all the time. And I was just like, bam, you know, it was like a light bulb went off. We should have kept our fermenters in there. Right. You know, we should have kept those out of the brew space. It actually would have helped with, uh, you know, just energy costs in general. And when you're running your glycol systems, 
So, I mean, you know, I think it was just, you know, thinking that we understood everything going into it. And then in hindsight, it's like, well, maybe we didn't really understand everything that this, this place could have offered right. um, in hindsight. Um, and then there's, you know, those other challenges too. Um, I, I think that there was some uh, animosity towards us to some degree, uh, like before we even opened our doors, like we were being labeled as, you know, however you want to kind of call it, right. you know, uh, racist or things like that. And it's like that to me didn't make any sense. Um, uh, the, I was, I was out of the group, you know, the minority, you know, I think we were majority minority owned. Yeah. Um, so like none of those things really made sense. And I think people were kind of casting aspersions as to who we were as people before actually getting to know us, even coming into our tap room to even talk to us, drink our beer. Um, and I think that's, you know, some of that kind of went a long way is kind of like pre cancel culture, cancel culture to a degree. There was, there was a weird time in, um, probably craft beer in general, but in Cincinnati craft beer, definitely where there was, there was this period of time where people started to get almost, and this is just my outside perspective of, started to get a little jaded about the whole thing. You know, the breweries were big. They were starting to get popular. You'd walk in. It was, you know, your uh, your soccer mom neighbor with her kids sitting at the table next to you. It was, it was different than what people were used to. And I think that a lot of people started to get mad about craft beer because of that. And I I honestly, I, I, I think COVID helped some of that and kind of smacked people in the back of the head and kind of righted the ship a little bit to, to get people to kind of fall back in love with this. But... Um, it, for, for a few years there, almost like it was, it was weird. And like, you started to see people kind of, if a, if a brewery opened up and they were too fancy, people got pissed off. If a brewery opened up and they weren't fancy enough, people got pissed so, off. Yep. If they had too much personality, it was too, uh, it was too contrived and too, too marketed. And like, it just, people just weren't happy with, with anything. Yeah, no, you're, and you guys just happened to open right in the middle of that. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You know, and, um, you could definitely see it because there was a turning point as well. Um, it was around when uh, March 1st opened and then fretboard opened. And it was just such a weird environment because people would come, you know, to our place and like, my God, we love that you guys are here because, you know, we went to fretboard, we yeah. went to March 1st and we enjoy their beers, but we also like coming here because it's a little bit more of an intimate environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't even tell you how many people came to our place on like first dates or people who would show up at our place and then they start mingling with each other and then they end up dating each other and things like that. It was like, it's such a weird spot. I, I loved Queen City, but if I had taken my wife there on a first date and told her to here, sit on this pallet couch, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you want to be married. Oh, I don't know if things would have worked out the yeah. same. You know, and, and I think too, we, we drew a different, I don't want to say like, that's more about my wife. Than it does anything else. <laughs> Love my wife. But uh, like, and I don't, you know, again, like I think we drew um, like our regulars. I think that they're a slightly different crowd. Yeah. Um, compared to some of the other folks that you might see at some other breweries. It was um, very eclectic yeah. is the way I'll put it. And, uh, you know, I, in a good way, like it's, again, it goes back to that thing. that was just, it was different than what other stuff was like. It's, you know, you, you can, you can right now describe the type of people that are sitting in some tap rooms, like still today, you can, oh, they, they look like this. They talk like this. They do this. They're drinking this. Uh, that's, that's who they are. Yeah. That's terrible. Like I, and, and, and yet we can still do it with some places. You guys weren't like that at all. No. You never knew what you were walking into when you walked in that yeah. door. You didn't really know what kind of music was going to be playing. You didn't know what kind of people were going to be sitting at the bar. That's what I liked. Yeah. I, I miss it. I liked it too, because it's such a diverse group of people that came through there. I mean, all walks of life. 
And it was so interesting. I mean, it's kind of funny because our, uh, like, you know, Justin and them, like they tried to prevent me from being behind the bar because they just figured, oh, well, if they find out you're the brewer, then people are just going to want to chew your, chew your ear off you're sure. not, and you're not going to be pouring beers at that point. But actually I loved being you know, behind the bar or even at least sitting at the bar while I was having a, a shift beer or something like that while I was brewing and just getting conversations just with random people. Yeah. Um, it was, it was very, very unique, especially to the point where, you know, we started having some musical acts come in and stuff like that. And I remember I kept telling, you know, my buddies, I was like, you know, every brewery, you know, they do like bluegrass or they do this or they do that. And, and it's great. You know, that's fitting to the environment, to the crowds. I was like, but I'm telling you, man, like there's a, there's a desire and need for like, you know, rock music. There's a desire and, and need for metal. Cause I'm a huge metal metal head. And we actually, actually hosted you know, a metal show for our um, anniversary the one year. And that was actually the most packed yeah. <laughs> our place ever was. And it was bumping the entire night. People had a great time. Um, I even made beers special for those events. Um, and so it's, again, we just had so much fun. And like, to your point, it was so diverse. Like, yeah, you didn't know what kind of music you're going to walk into. Like if Justin had control of the remote or some of the customers, you know, playing the music on, on the jukebox, so to speak. Listen to a lot of Prince. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a lot of Prince being played. Or if you happen to walk in um, when I was brewing beer, I always had music playing when I was brewing and it was such a whole host of different uh, well, types of music. And the setup was so interesting too, because when you walk in that door immediately to your left was the, the, the brewery. Right. So you, you, you had to walk past it. You had to experience it. You had to see it before you turn and go into uh, the tap room itself. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a downside too, that, you know, when you walk in, it's kind of confusing, but at the same time, like that's what made it special. Like uh, it was like, Oh, this is, this is immediately different than anywhere else that I, I have, I experience here in the city. And, um, do you think that, and this opens up some other questions too, but if, if it was opening today, do you think things would be different for a place like queen city? Um, yeah, I mean, a lot goes into that question, right? Yeah, that's because opens a lot of other questions. Yeah, because <laughs> I think things would be different. I mean, I actually still toy around the idea of whether it's Queen City or not, right. you know, kind of going back in and, and, and opening up a spot. Because, I mean, I drive around, and every time I drive around, I see an empty spot, and, it's, and my wife is with me. I'm like, hey, no, go good there. Yeah. She's like, oh, let me guess, a brewery. I'm like, <laughs> yes, a brewery will go great there. Um, and I think, you know, again, I would probably do things a lot differently. Um, cause I, I just, I just don't think that the way that, you know, we were set up and what we had going on, especially with all the changes going on in the industry. I mean, even with some of the, the still smaller tap rooms, sure. they, they still are also, you know, working to try to, um, not, not, I don't want to say cater to a crowd cause that's, a, that's the wrong, wrong terminology, but there is a specific type of drinking crowd in Cincinnati, yeah. I feel, you know, and, and I think that's the thing that was always just so different and challenging for me was that I, I never went with the mainstream. Like when people come in, like, oh, are you going to have ciders? And it's like, well, no, I'm not going to have cider. And then eventually we did, we did like, I do a very small batch, only like maybe 15 gallons at a time. Right. Uh, just to get something on tap for people that wanted ciders to, to diversify a little bit. Then people start asking about seltzers or if we want to have hard liquor. And, and for me, I've always just, excuse me, been a purist at heart. It's like, look, I, I still am firmly believing that if you're going to be or call yourself a brewery, you should be a brewery. You know, and well, and it's 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 also it's hard. Like I I agree with that, but then I look at some bigger places, and it starts to starts to make sense when you get to a certain size. Yeah. I think if you have a small place uh, like like Queen City was, or you know, like a Fibonacci, or you know, wh whoever else that is that is small these days, which I don't know that there are that many. I'd have to really yeah, look so at that anymore. <laughs> but and you start offering 
liquor and it becomes part of uh, the, the what that place is, that changes the vibe of of that experience too. It like it can it can kind of blend in at a place like Little Miami here. You know, yes, they have spirits up there, but this place is big enough and gets crowded enough that like it doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't detract. It doesn't take away from the personality of what it is. Right. Whereas when you're small, any little thing you do becomes a big part of that personality because it's so small. And, uh, uh, it's a big part of craft beer these days is things that aren't craft beer. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's why I always find so funny is like when a new brewery opens up and again, this might just be a jaded part of me or something to that, that effect. But then like, I see what, what's being offered and it's like, yeah. you're not really a brewery. You know, right. You're a brew pub or you're a gastropub or you're this or that. Like, yes, you, you make beer on site, but are you truly a brewery? Right. And, and I'm not trying to take anything away from them. Again, it's just an, my yeah, own there's, personal. There's place, but there's a place for all of that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think, you know, uh, again, going back to your question, like, I, because I, it's funny you ask that question. So I, I am toying around with these different ideas of um, a different type of business model. I'm even breaking it down to the same business model in the same spot. Like I think if it opened today, I think it would, it would, it would, it would maybe react differently with what's happening. I mean, you've got, you've got fretboard there now that is just cranking on all cylinders. It is, um, it, it, it it's, it's a music venue. It's, you know, it's this thing and you've got March 1st, which is the jugger, juggernaut that they are now. Like it's just this huge thing. You've got firehouse grill, which is now brewing and some straight up, not, I wouldn't even call it a brew pub. It's a restaurant that makes beer, right? You know, and you've got these very, very strong personalities that are that are their own thing, and each one of them is very different. This idea of this little thing right there, right in the middle of that, that is that is very different than that. To me, it makes so much sense. There. Yeah, I, I'm just not sure if uh, the market itself or that area um, is really ready. Yeah. To, to be honest, I mean, I kind of seen the changes and, and yeah, there was something very unique about, about Queen City, but I still think that it, it kind of just drew on a uh, niche kind of a yeah. crowd, niche kind of audience. And, and unfortunately, just the way, I mean, you see that things going on with inflation, you see the way things are going on with the market in general, having a niche crowd, um, it just doesn't really, uh, it's, it's not something that can be sustainable, I don't think. Oh man, that's a... Whereas something like a Urban Artifact... Again, niche, but they're they're very and yes, they're very unique. It's they're, a big niche. It's a very big niche, you know. Whereas for us, it's more like a, it's almost and again, like this is just me speaking here. It's it's almost like a our place was like a personality type niche. Sure. And I feel like the type of personality that that we had, that our customers had, that that's not something that is, um, again, something that could be sustainable to keep your doors open, right. paying employees, like you know. I'll be honest. The only we only had one, or I guess technically two, because one guy um, uh, didn't really work out. But we only had two paid employees. We never took money from the business. Right. Um, so yeah. So I mean, we would have to create something that you know not only pays the bills but puts money in people's pockets so they can feed their families. Right. So I mean, I, I think maybe not. Like to your to your point, maybe maybe something along those lines, but not in that specific area. Right. Um, like originally when we were looking at that spot, because even I had some reservations about going in that specific location. Um, but some of the feedback I got from the partners that I had was, well, we have all these businesses on this street. We would at least be grabbing them as you know clientele. We didn't really grab any of them as clientele uh, for the most part. You know, people just drove past us. Excuse me. And part of that's probably because the signage 
I mean, granted, we had a huge sign in the front said Queen City. Um, but the signage from the street, as a landlord, didn't really allow us to do anything it's provocative also, or anything. It's taken a long time, longer than I thought it was going to take, for people to understand that they could go to Blue Ash instead of being in Blue Ash and then going home. Right, like, and, yeah. it's, and it's taken a lot of a lot of effort from Blue Ash's part, too, to, to make that happen. But I think it's starting to, we're starting to hit that point where, I, I mean, and maybe I'm just thinking of myself, but like you, you go there at, in the evening, you go there, whether you're going to Summit Park or, you know, uh, hanging out at Higher Gravity and grabbing a, a drink there. You're going to, to March 1st or Fretboard or uh, Firehouse Grill, you know, like go there now instead of just happening to be there for lunch because you work right. in the area. You know, it's just, it's, it's taken a long time to kind of yeah. shift that culture of Blue Ash. I agree. And it's so funny because before we close our doors, I had like all these different um, idea, ideas since we did put in like a very mini kitchen where it's just like, well, Hey, you know, we have, you know, a work crowd. I'm sure they want breakfast before they go to work. So I was, I was toying with these different recipes and stuff like that with my wife at home, just using a waffle maker and just making these different types of sandwiches and stuff <laughs> yes. like that. And then doing different things for lunch. Um, so it is unfortunate that we had to close our doors at the time that we did, because I did have a lot of projects that were in the works. Um, unfortunately again, like they just didn't come right. to fruition and, or maybe the timing just didn't work out just right. Would also like I, you know, if you look at kind of what happened in blue ash, uh, you know, at the time you were there and kind of what's happened since too, but you know, if queen city had opened up like, in the middle of summit park, you know, they opened up right in the, you know, right in this, 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 <laughs> this Dora district. I don't know that like, it, it probably would have worked and it, yeah. but it, but I don't know that it could have kept going the way it was like, I think it would have kind of uh, the personality would have gotten lost in all of that other stuff. You would have, you would have quickly had to have wine for people because yep. that's what, you know, the, that's what they want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's just, so being kind of off the beaten path and not attracting too much attention almost allows some of that personality to, to exist and to develop and to, to grow. Whereas if you get too far into a place that is, uh, too, too polished, I guess, then some of that gets stifled. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's a hard part of craft breweries is, you know, a, a new development comes along and, Hey, we need a brewery, a uh, bunch of investors like, Oh yeah, this, this is great. This is a great spot for a brewery. Yeah. We'll, we'll help you guys make this happen. And then now this project turns into something else. Not that that else is bad, but it's not what Queen City was. Right. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, before we close our doors, there was a couple of different opportunities for us to expand. Um, one of them was at a local bar over in the Sharonville area. And then another one was actually up in Liberty Township um, where they did all that huge development. Yeah. They had, and we went out there and we checked the space, but the amount of investment that they were looking for from us to, you know, to back it in terms of also what they were going to offer is just like this it's just really isn't going to be too right. uh, too feasible for us to pull those funds together. Again, you know, um, well, one, I'm not even from Cincinnati, so I don't really have any ties here. And, you know, I think that also goes a long way too. I mean, not just having friends in Cincinnati specifically, but, you know, being tied into other different types of programs, organizations, um, angel funders, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, we just, we just didn't really have that. Um, and, you know, kudos to everybody else that, that does have that network. Yeah. Um, going for them because, you know, we wouldn't have some of the breweries that we do have, sure. you know, without those, um, uh, you know, supporters and things like that. Um, so yeah, so we did definitely have different types of opportunities to try to expand, but to also to your point, like when we're looking at, you know, especially the space in Liberty Township, I remember I was turning to one of my business partners, just like, 
this, this, does, this doesn't feel right. Like this just doesn't feel like a Queen City type mm-hmm. of thing. And I know that we get flack for the name and being where we're located in Blue Ash and things like that. But you know, we really wanted to give something back to the city and, and really imbibe something that that people can you know espouse to or something that they can tie into or something that you know just ties back into the city itself. Because granted, I'm, I'm a transplant here, but Cincinnati's been great to me. Um, my business partners grew up in the Cincinnati area and Cincinnati has been great to them and they love the city. And that's really what we wanted to do with Queen City. And, you know, unfortunately it just didn't pan out the way well, we were hoping. Cincinnati is a weird city. I mean, not that weird. I mean, there are a lot of other cities like this, but no matter where you live in the greater Cincinnati, I live in Fairfield. I mean, it's clearly not part of the city, but yet if you ask me where I'm from, I'm from Cincinnati. Like yeah. I part of Cincinnati. And I, you know, I, there are a lot of people that live in that outer bubble. that are like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm from Cincinnati. Like that's, that's, that's who I am. This is, you know, I, I love the Bengals. I love going downtown. I love hanging out down there and being a part of that, even if I don't live right there. And so I think that some of the, the crap that people are giving you about the name is definitely uh, not warranted, but, yeah. but I get it. It's funny. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, some of the crap we just got in general from people, I just don't think it was really warranted. I mean, I think it's just, you know, People just being keyboard warriors, you yeah. know, we still deal with that today. Not us specifically. I'm sure we do. Just I'm not involved <laughs> in it or see it anymore because I'm just, I just don't care anymore. Um, actually, I didn't really care then either because um, I understood, you know, how people are, you know, just how people are. Sometimes they feel threatened by something or they don't understand something. So they got to, you know, kind of trash it a little bit. Because, um, I, I mean, I can tell you, you know, there's plenty of people that came from other breweries to sure. our brewery and they loved our beer and we went to their breweries and we loved their beer. You know, we loved everybody's beer. Um, I don't really think we talked crap about anybody. Um, we just felt that it was a very supportive network. And then unfortunately, you know, there's some uh, rogue people sure. uh, as you kind of came across a few weeks ago that just, you know, they're just saying things to say things. And it's like, well, where's this even coming from? Yeah. You know, even when we did close our doors and I, you know, I personally wrote that, message that's saying, Hey, unfortunately closing our doors. And unfortunately we weren't embraced by the community. And, and people are like, well, it's cause you didn't have good beer. It's like, mm, no, we did, you know, and that's right. not, you know, you know, be being, uh, you know, full of myself or anything like that. But you know, when we have other people coming from other breweries specifically to drink specific beers or rave about specific beers or, you know, asking me to brew with them right. and things like that, something tells me that we did have something good there. Uh, yeah. It was every beer like a home run. No, I no. like I in in you know complete full transparency. Like I, I I had my gripes about Queen City that I could I could list out. Like this is what I didn't like. This is what I didn't like. There were there were things. Beer is not on that list. Yeah. I, 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 I'm sure that somewhere along the line there were beers that were probably not not amazing. It has to happen on a three yeah. barrel system. Like you're gonna have stuff that doesn't live up to what people are looking for. But I never really experienced that there. Like I never sat down and had a beer. I'm like, oh, this is. I'm going to struggle to get through this pint. Like I yeah. go go to the bathroom and dump this one. <laughs> I never had that there. I've had that at other places where like that places that are still thriving today. Right. But I've had beer that is just not good. And, and that, so that was never the problem there in, in my opinion. Um, so I, you have to take, other people's opinions sometimes for, with a grain of salt. Well, I think, uh, I think some people took some offense when I said the community didn't support us. And I wasn't saying blue ash specific. Right. Um, cause like where we were, we were actually on the border of Blue Ash and Sharonville, you know? And I think it was just the fact that, you know, we just didn't really have the foot traffic. Um, you know, and then when, unfortunately, when other, you know, uh, bigger, larger breweries did open, you know, some people would rather go there cause like, oh, well they have more of a sure. ambiance or event space. And Hey, I totally understand that. But Hey, at the end of the night, 
grab a pint. Yeah. You know, it's like, cause you know, you like our beer, you know, or when we had plenty of people traveling from out of town. Um, so for me, Michigan is going to be like a big area cause they have a shit ton of you know craft beers up there. And when people are coming in from Michigan and they're like, Oh my God, I'm so happy we found your spot because this stuff reminds me of stuff from like back at home or yeah. this or that, blah, blah, blah. Like granted it's still someone's opinion, right? It's very subjective. But still at the same time, it's like, okay, that means I'm doing something good here. You know, because craft beer has been going on a little bit longer in Michigan than here in Ohio, especially Cincinnati area. Yeah, it depends how you look at it. I could argue that. Yeah. (laughs) We had had Christian Morline crank out one of the first craft beers in the country. Well, yes. (laughs) I just mean from like um, variety (laughs) numbers. I I know what you're saying. Um, But yeah, so I mean, to me, I I was never concerned about the quality of our beer. And the fact that we were pumping out what we're pumping out on a three-barrel system, which is way smaller of a system than I thought I was, we were going to open with. Yeah. Because uh, our original plans were a 15-barrel system. Then we scaled it down to a 10. Then we scaled down to seven and a half. <laughs> and then when we saw the space, we're like, oh, shit. Like, the only thing we can do in here is a three-barrel system. And, you know, it worked out. You and know? to give people kind of a perspective on that, I think, and I could be wrong on the numbers, at, at Madry, they have the 100-barrel system, which is what you see when you walk up to that little deck that overlooks the, the brewery. Big old giant brew house. And then if you look right down, there's a little little brew house that's 15 barrels. And then I think underneath of that is the three barrel system. I think like hidden underneath, you can't even see it because it's so tiny. (laughs) So yeah, it's a small, small system and your yield isn't as good just because the efficiencies aren't as strong as the larger systems. Um, But I mean, I always had a blast doing it. And to your point, like walking in and the brew space being right there to the left, if I was brewing there and people walked in, I always took time, you know, to chat it up with people, um, as long as they they would be safe, which you really couldn't hurt yourself back there. Um, but I would even let them back and walk them through the process. Or even when we did tours, I always entertained the tours that came through. Even if I was in the middle of cleaning something out, hey, all right, hey, I'll take a break real quick. And there's something there's something so great about a small system like that that you can like stand somebody right in the middle of the room, and be like, all right, here's how it works. And right. We take the grain from here and we put it in here and we turn it into like this oatmeal stuff. We pull all the sugar out and then that goes into here. We add yeast, it eats it turns into beer, comes here, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> when you walk into a, a bigger place, Matry or Ryan Geister, it's like, okay, hang with me for a minute. <laughs> right. This room, we do this. Now, come here. I think you have to go down the cell. And then this, and then over here. And then, like, you, you don't get to, like, see it all kind of come together. Now, once you kind of get it from a small place like that, then you can walk into the bigger place. Okay, now uh, that was that okay, I, I, I can understand that in my head. And yeah. this was that, oh, okay, I can get that. Like it, it gives you this perspective on the process and the, uh, uh, the craft of beer. Like it right. just, it kind of puts you into that better. Yeah. Um, and to your point, like uh, talk about the sizes. I remember when we had our very first exposure to just like a massive brew house, um, Mike and I were out in Brooklyn. So we went to Brooklyn Brewery yeah. and he always had this thing where he always kind of put me up to like, Hey, ask for a tour or ask, ask him to show us around. <laughs> okay. So one of the guys, um, he just happened to be, cause when you first walked in there, I'm trying to remember now, it's been many years. I can't remember if it's three or four fermenters just sitting right there. When you first walk it's in, probably different now. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. It's very different now. Um, and the guy was, you know, checking on some stuff and I was like, Hey man, I was like, you know, we're interested in this stuff. You know, do you mind, you know, if you have a minute, just kind of walking us through the process. And he's like, Kind of looked at his watch and he's like, you know what? Grab yourself a pint, come back here in 20 minutes. And he, so he did. And he takes us to your point. He took us this one room. He's like, okay, well, this is where our mash tun is and yeah. blah, blah, blah. Then once we're done here, we feed it over into these other rooms and, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
And it's crazy. He's like, oh, I want to show you something else. And so we take him to this other room. It's just this massive room. And the only thing in the room was just their uh, their mill and their and had their grain bags and everything. Yeah. I was just like, holy shit, you have just a giant room for your mill? He's like, yeah, yeah then we auger it all over. And I'm like, yeah. it's like, Mike, we're, we don't have enough money for this. <laughs> you know, it's like, God damn, it's huge. And it's just like rows and rows of fermenters in the place. It's, it's really just a humbling kind of experience, just kind of like walking through that and, and seeing all that stuff oh, yeah. is really cool. Oh, yeah. And that, you have to have those different ends of the spectrum, though, and I think that's why a small place is important, especially within a craft beer scene. If you have somebody that spent the afternoon at, uh, at Rheingeist and they're coming back up north, maybe that's where their hotel is or whatever, and then they're like, oh, here's, here's a brewery, let's stop here, and it's a small place. You're like, oh, this is... This is that other side of beer, and you get to really kind of get this different perspective on on the the process and the, yeah. like you said, the craft. Let's drink another beer. Our beers yeah. are getting warm. Uh, do you remember what this one is? Uh, the Bach. This Bach. Is the Bach. Yeah, this is Bach. Definitely the Bach. Uh, Hellas Bach. Uh, I don't remember what it's called. Something about hippies, I think. Yeah, I think it's called hippies. And cheers. Cheers. Or I guess we should say prose Bach. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Very smooth. That's a damn good Bach. Um, Hellas Bach is, on one hand, one of my favorite uh, Bach variants. Same here. Because it fits into more situations. But on the other hand, uh, like sometimes I just want like a really big, like big, dark Doppelbach. And um, I'm today i really like that that's really good it's super smooth like like to your point like it's not very like overbearing overpowering at all it's it's something that i would probably have in the fridge yeah it's got that good kind of uh good multi kind of bite that comes in um right at the beginning that kind of lets you know that this is a uh uh a hearty kind of cold weather beer and again (laughs) with a day like today where it's rainy and gross that that yeah that's really good i might get a do they do uh, growlers? I think, yeah, they do. Growlers. I assume so. Um, do people still fill growlers? Is that a thing? I don't know. I know. Actually, I was going through cleaning out my closet. I had like all these growlers. My wife is like, look, either you use them. I'm embarrassed at how many growlers I have in my house. I was actually going to bring some. And I was like, oh, he's probably got all these. <laughs> I, had this, I can't get rid of them either because it's like, oh man, this place doesn't exist anymore. And I, oh, I remember when we got this. Like they have these memories, but they're just so big. Yeah. Um, let's talk about uh, kind of, so we, we, said that if if you were doing it today uh would it look the same uh, you kind of touched on it would you do it again like, or i mean to me like it's it's and i'm sure that the the wounds have healed a little bit but that had to kind of had to be a little painful at the very beginning after you guys closed to like oh fuck man this thing that i just spent all of this time and all this effort and all this money and all of this this energy in uh was I, was I wrong about what, what's needed or what people want or what people enjoy? You know, would you do it again? Yeah. So, um, that, that's a kind of a loaded question. Uh, yeah, I think I would. Um, but I think I would do it in an extremely different way. And I'm not really sure how deep I want to go into that because there's some things that I've kind of been cooking in the back of my brain where I kind of mentioned earlier, it's more like an industry disruptor, not to, take anything away from anybody, but just do something so unique, something so different um, that it wouldn't be your typical, you know, tap room with uh, with brew space and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, there would be a tap room. Yeah, there would be obviously a brew space because yeah, where are you going to brew the beer? Um, but it'd definitely be something very, very different. <laughs> there, are, there are lots of tap rooms that call themselves brewers that don't, don't have, have brew space. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's not that crazy. <laughs> that's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
I still love it. I, I really do miss it. And like you said, it was, it was something that really was, uh, it hurt, you know, it, it's something that, uh, a lot of emotion, uh, kind of went into and came out of it. I don't think people even realize, you know, a lot of the stuff that I was doing behind the scenes, to try to uh, get things to work. Um, aside from beer production and things all night, I mean, even when I broke my arm, I found a way to brew while having a broken arm, right. you know, and stuff like that. And, um, so yeah, it, it was extremely painful, but I really missed the, the craft. Um, I really missed the artistry that went into it. Um, even just coming up with, with, with the beer names itself, I right. found, uh, extremely fun or collabing with some people. We didn't do a whole lot of collabs just because of the way our license was. But I mean, with, uh, you know, there's a local hops uh, dealer, <laughs> you know, in the area. And we, we worked with him. And when I made the Chinookasaurus Rex and we did just a, an industry release and we, we even said, hey, you know, we're a small brewery. So, you know, your first pint will be on us. But, you know, we do ask that you, you know, pay for your pints. And so many people from the industry came out to support us and they all love the beer, and things like that. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I would do it again. It's actually come up several times uh, with different folks. Uh, whether I would do it on my own, um, not necessarily just on my own, but obviously with a business partner, right. things along those lines. Or if I'd be willing to also work with other breweries. I have I did have a few offers from different breweries to kind of work with them uh, in different capacities. Um, and I definitely appreciate all of them, you know, kind of reaching out and, and them, you know, wanting me to work with them. Um, and even then, I, was, I just wasn't sure uh, if that's something that I wanted to do or not. It would be hard too coming fresh off of uh, Queen City to come into somebody else's spot and, and kind of uh, try to just jump into that and not uh, not maybe have all of the say that you want to have in things. Right. And like it would just, it, it, I think it takes some time to kind of figure some of those things out. And, it does. And I think the other thing people don't realize is um, from a financial standpoint, I mean, you know, I have my day job. I've always had my day job. Right. I'm mean, granted my day job is different than when it was then. Well, you know, your day job pays your bills and provides you with the life that, that you enjoy. And, you know, a lot of the folks I talk to, unfortunately, is the, I don't know if a lot of people realize it, but there's not a whole lot of money in, there in, is, in there's brewing. There's no money in craft beer, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and that would be a lot of sacrifices I would have to make. And it's not like I live extravagantly. In fact, I live below my means, but I still want to provide for my family and sure. make sure they're taken care of, especially with the newborn, like you mentioned. So I, I just don't know if the timing's right or what, or however it kind of works, but it's something I definitely miss. In fact, uh, I was talking to my wife about it and I was like, you know, we have this garage space and I have all these <laughs> outlets everywhere. It's like, seems like it's asking for something. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I think I should probably put in just a small like homebrew setup and just kind of hang out with my neighbors, get them to enjoy the beers and, you know, do beer shares with people, get yeah. back into that. Um, and just kind of enjoy, enjoy things. And if things come to fruition and things come, out of this idea that I have and that works. And if it doesn't, then, you know, it doesn't, there's other things I kind of look at. Have you well. home brewed at all since? Queen no, City? I haven't brewed at all. That's crazy. Not even just hanging out at another brewery to say, Oh, we should make a beer. <laughs> so there was one brewery that, um, they were running to some challenges, um, that I was going to attempt to help them. Um, but even then, like, you know, things just didn't really weren't working. Um, even just the brew space itself, you know, I, I had asked him several times, like, you need to get this into shape. It needs to be cleaned out. It needs to be, 
you it's need like to kind of who you're talking about. Yeah, it's like, you know, you kind of need to look at the space as if, you know, if I drop my food on the floor, will I eat my food still? Right. You know, because it has to be really clean environment. And it just really wasn't that way. Um, they're still doing their thing. And, you know, I wish them all the best. Um, it just it just wasn't a good situation. Right. But uh, what are what are some of the other things that you miss about uh, the industry itself and being in the industry? You, you talked about, you know, writing recipes and naming beers and those are the easy things. But um, you know, what, you know, when you, when you come from, you know, you, at the end of the day, you're done with your day job, you go over to the brewery, you, you know, you make a beer, you hang out, you, you stand behind the bar and you sell beer. Like what are those things that, uh, uh, that, that you lost that you miss? Connection with the people for sure. Um, not even just, you know, the people I worked with, right. Uh, the patrons, uh, I really kind of missed that. There was a lot there, uh, a lot of people would share so much with you and you really felt like you shared or, or forged some sort of friendship. And then of course, you know, just like normal friendships you can kind of part ways, you yeah. know, and stuff like that. Uh, I really missed that. And I feel like even though on the surface, I might not seem like a people person or that I'm interested in, in people too much. <laughs> it may not seem like I care about you, but I do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at, you know, at the end of the day, like I really did uh, care, you know, about every single person that came through our doors, you know, and I mean, they invited us, one person asked me to brew a special beer because he did every year for his, he'd do like a, a block party. He'd do it like a luau style. So he'd have like a roast pig and everything right. like that. And like, so we made the beer for him. And not only did he take the beer, but he's like, no, it's like, you guys have to be there. Like you, you need to be there. Like sure. we, we love you guys. You know, you guys have uh, not just, you know, did this beer for me, but you guys are great to talk to you. Take care of, you know, my family when they come in and, and things like that. I mean, it was really a community. And I feel like, you know, since we kind of shut our doors, those are some areas that I'm kind of missing, you know, out of yeah. my life, you know, I mean, I know the times that you would come in, you know, we always made time for you. Actually, we made time for everybody, yeah. you know, it didn't matter what we were doing, if we were busy or not, we made time for everybody. And I know that's probably a little bit easier to do at a smaller place than a large place, of course, because, you know, it's different dealing with, you know, 60 to a hundred people at a time versus thousands of people, right. so to speak. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I would almost argue that it's probably easier in a bigger spot because you have more people to kind of eat some of that, uh, uh, that crowd and kind of like, Oh yeah, we have, we have enough employees that like they can handle this while I just go over here and just hang out and kind of talk to somebody like right. when you're in a smaller place, there's only so many people in that tap room. And if it's busy, uh, everybody's got to work. Yeah, <laughs> and we didn't to. have any employees. <laughs> right. So, so like, it, I, I would almost argue that it's easier for a bigger place. Uh, sure. In theory, it's scheduling is always harder, but right, yeah, once, yeah. once you're there, it's easy. Yeah. No, uh, I definitely miss that for sure. Uh, so if, uh, well, you kind of said that you wouldn't tell you if <laughs> I was going to say like, if, if you were doing it again, like what were the things that you would do differently? Well, that's, you kind of touched on that and said that you don't really want to talk about it. Um, what do you think, uh, um, coming from your perspective of this, this place that, that I think was very special. Um, when you look at what's happening around Cincinnati right now, what do you think people are missing as far as the, the pieces of, of their, their breweries? Like what are people doing right? What are people doing wrong from your perspective? So I think this kind of goes hand in hand. Um, it's, <laughs> it's so funny. I'm going to say this, but I feel like a lot of breweries and you know, I, like we just talked before when we were grabbing these beers, you know, I don't, I really actually don't drink as much uh, anymore. Um, 
But the beer that I do drink. It's funny because once I had kids, I started drinking a lot more. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, granted, I, I would say it probably kind of curtailed uh, some of the drinking about a year ago-ish. Um, I think more so it's just, excuse me, sometimes I'll have a beer and it's like, boom, instant headache. It's just like, okay, I need to kind of chill for a little bit. Um, I don't know. I feel like, you know, to, to your point, you did mention that there's several breweries that do their own thing and have their own vibe. But I think when it kind of comes down to like their beers, and this might be uh, an outsider's perspective at this point, because I'm no longer really in the industry. I feel like there's very few people who are really willing to take risks on things anymore. That's, uh, if we can kind of expunge on that a little bit. So one of the things that, and uh, not to not to compare Queen City with with Blank Slate, one of the things that I loved about Blank Slate when when they were open was that he would take styles and he would he would mess with them. And he would let you know that he messed with it. He'd be like, oh, yeah, I, I, of course I made an Oktoberfest, but I put sausage spice in it. And if you want, I'll squirt some pickle juice in it. Like right. that, that's, we're, we're missing that a little bit. Like I, I love tradition in, in brewing and I love people that can make a great traditional style, but I love more people that can take that traditional style and then put their own spin on right. it in a unique way. And, and you guys did that. Uh, and, and there have been other places that are able to do that, yeah. but for the most part, uh, we don't see a lot of that anymore. It's uh, uh, I, think, I feel like everybody's being very safe. If they see that a beer or a particular style is crushing it, uh, just hypothetically, this isn't necessarily factual. Right. But hypothetically, if some, if a beer is crushing it in like the Massachusetts area, okay, let's try that style. Okay, now that's the style that we're going to pump out the most of. You know, like well, and there's and there is like there is an art to that, and like, all right, we're going to take this style and we're going to perfect it, and we're going to put out the best version of the style that exists, and that's great. Yeah. And I, but I, then I, when you I, have about seven to ten beers on your tap board that are literally that style, yeah. just different ABV levels, maybe one different hop here or there. Yeah. To me, you're not really taking chances. You're not really taking risks. You're not really being too crafty. It gets it. it gets boring. Extremely boring. Um, you know, like even and, and I get it. Everybody's tastes are different, and and I've seen how to a degree, some of the, the taste in, in Cincinnati has changed slightly over the few years. I mean, not that drastically, but slightly, um, you know, going into like the whole milkshake IPAs and all this other stuff, like to me, yeah, that's, that's a great, you know, beer to have on your tap, but should you really have four or five or six milkshake IPAs? You know, I would go as far to say it's, it's a great beer to have on your tap list every once in a while. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I don't even want it all the time. Yeah. And, and you know, sometimes beers are made out of accidents and they taste great. Yeah. Um, but, but then like when you are a beer purist and then you see like, you know, like, especially like with the hazy IPAs. Yeah. They're, they're good to have. They're a little bit less um, straightforward with the bitterness, so to speak, because it's a little bit more reserved and you're using, you know, a lot of uh, wet hopping in, in the process and you do get great flavors out of it. But then when you have several beers that are, you know, hazy and they kind of had the same flavor profile. Right. Or I also look at it too, where, well, crap, if I'm going to have, you know, several different beers in the night and I really can't, I mean, yeah, you can kind of distinguish, but you really can't distinguish right. between this brewery, this brewery, this brewery, and this brewery and their flavors. What are we doing? Like, we're right. just kind of just, and, and again, this is my perspective and I'm sure there's probably going to be tons of hate on what I'm saying, but it's not unique. It's not original. I'm not saying everything you have to do has to be unique and original because there's certain things where it's like, Hey, I know that this beer is going to sell well. Yeah. Well, and, and there's always room for a good traditional, like a, just a well-made beer. There's right. always room for that. And we need that to exist, but right. like it can't be all that exists. Like it, 
you know, a lot of people talk right now about like, um, you know, when you ask people, oh, what places do you go to a lot? It's like, oh, I go this place because it's close to my house because it's the closest spot, which again, not to take away from that. There's value in that of having a place that is close by and can become your spot. But if that's the only reason that you're choosing a brewery, somebody's doing something wrong and it's probably not the drinker. It's right. probably the brewery. If only, the only reason somebody's walking into your door is because you're close to them. You messed up. Like yeah. uh, people should want to come there because there's something there that makes them feel something. Yeah. Whether it's um, excitement about the personality of it, whether it's excitement about the creativity behind the beers, whether it's, I'll even throw the entertainment side of it. If you want to, you know, the, the music or whatever else is happening yeah. in the tap rooms, if it's the view, whatever, whatever, Things that, you know, aren't really craft beer, but, um, but, but if, if the only reason is because it's close, then we're we're messing up. Yeah. And, you know, to to that point, I remember talking with patrons that we'd have several of them. We'd be like, you know, there's like four or five breweries that are actually closer where I live, but we're choosing to come out here because one, because of the beer, but also because we just really like you guys. Like, again, taking time out of our day you know, talking with them, chatting with them, or even like when um, people would come up and, and just ask me questions about beer brewing. And, you know, yes, I had a, I owned a brewery. Yes, I, I made beers, but I would never say I'm the expert, <laughs> you know, because there's always something to learn. Sure. Um, but it was just great to kind of just pitch those ideas back and forth or they bring me their beer, you know, have me tasting like, well, what do you think about this? Or what do you think I did wrong here? Or blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, I mean, we can chat about it. I don't, I don't know. Did you clean your shit? I don't know. <laughs> you know, or whatever the case may be. And I, again, like, it was just something that was a very, uh, you know, special to me about that. But, but yeah, I mean, I feel like that, that's where I got discouraged. And that's why maybe that's something else that kind of influenced my, my drinking habits. Um, is that there's, there's only like a few beers from, from a few breweries that really kind of stand out. That's right. like, hey, this is unique. This is something special. This is something different. And the, again, I'm not saying that every brewery has to do things that are so crazy and outlandish or anything like that. But it's like, you know, put your personality into it. Put your own spin on it. Uh, I think there's something there. And I think, you know, if you're just going to be, uh, especially in today's age, if you're going to be honest about who you yeah. are as a brewer versus trying to copy someone else's style or something like that, people are going to appreciate that a lot more. Um, but again, that's just how I kind of look at it. That's how I approach brewing. I mean, I think you might recall, you know, at, in our tap room, we didn't really have flagship beers. You know, I yeah. always had something different on tap. I mean, granted, we're small. We only had eight taps, but I always kind of rotated stuff. And then I would also leave it up to the audience. Like, hey, what would you like me to bring back? I mean, Rings of Saturn was always like a number one. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, bring this one back. You got to bring it back. So I got to bring that one back, you know, periodically. <laughs> I probably should have brewed way more of it. But even, even in that though, like, was it the same thing when you're bringing it back or it's, it's always kind of shifting and changing and evolving too. Like that's, to me, that's part of what makes it what it is, is that you're like, you're just, okay, well, yeah, we'll bring it back, but I didn't like this and this about it. So I'm going to do that different. So sorry. Yeah. And I think that's where we're, we're smaller breweries to your point, probably have that flexibility. Whereas, you know, we weren't, you know, pumping our stuff out and and kegs across the city. We didn't have a distribution network. You're at the point now you can't change truth. Right. Exactly. People are going to get pissed off every time you you do something to it. Not that you can't, you you probably should from time to time, keep kind of refreshing and figuring things out and improving, but people are going to get pissed off if they notice. Right. Whereas in a small brewery, um, 
some, some noticing is okay. Like it's right. like, oh, oh, I see. I see what you did. And that, that, that is better. I like that. Like that's, you know, that conversation happens and yeah. that, uh, um, I think that, um, the conversation, the, uh, the, the ties that people have to the beer is very different in a small brewery than a big brewery. Not that people aren't attached and tied to things like Budweiser even, Right. But it's it's in a different way than a small brewery that they people want to kind of be involved in the process somehow and watch it evolve and kind of feel like they had some kind of part in that experience. Right. Um, we should drink another one. Yep. We we're, we're like we're we're way behind in our drinking. We're the episode is in theory almost done and we still have two more beers. Uh, I think this is a sour ish. Uh, this is a I don't remember what they called it on the tap board. It was a saison. They called it, uh, so it's called Funk Number Forty Nine. Did they make forty eight other ones before this? Before <laughs> right. they were happy with it, uh, or is that the name of a song or something? Uh, it's a sour saison farmhouse ale. Did you try it yet? Not yet. Cheers. Cheers. Smell anything? Mm-hmm. It's dark. Definitely taste it though. Um, Oh, it is tart. And I almost like get like a, like a tannic kind of thing going on there that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that this ever saw any kind of a barrel, but um, it gets that kind of like woody tannic thing yeah. in the background. I just, I'm so impressed though with the lack of um, odor to it. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah, that's begging for some kind of fruit thrown in there too, right. you know, strawberries or something this time of year. Um, I like that a lot. That's pretty good. I'm yeah, not a big fan of uh, farmhouse sales. Well, it's not like you know, farmhouse is one of those categories that like, what does it even mean? Right. <laughs> so if it's like, if it's too like uh, barnyardy, I get like that I may not enjoy it as much. Uh, but if you just call it farmhouse because uh, it's made with uh, kind of fresher ingredients. I think that was kind of where it started from yeah. was that the farmhouse ales were made for people that were kind of working. Uh, maybe I'm yeah. making that up. I, th- I think that's sounds about right. It's going to be an email. <laughs> yeah. uh, like, forgive us. We're in their versions <laughs> of a uh, flight here. Yeah. We, our, our flights, our flight glasses are a little large. <laughs> um, also um, the wild uh, yeast component. Yeah, and this does not have like a like a wild kind of uh, funk. It's uh, it's definitely just that lactic kind of um, smack. Yeah, um, it's good. Um, I had a question all lined up, and now I just forgot it when we were talking about lactic smacks. Um, it, when you when 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 Queen City closed, uh, did it change your relationship with 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 beer in general like do you is there some kind of like a like a almost like a jaded kind of i want to call it anger towards other places that that didn't uh <laughs> um like when you walk in someplace and you try the beer and like ah, this sucks like uh, they're still here and their beer is not as good as what i was doing does that does that come into play sometimes uh i think maybe in the very beginning it did but it wore off very quickly because then i really understood um just marketing, industry, things like that, people's preferences. Um, I, I think what really jades me more is when I see other breweries 
basically doing the things that we did and we got no credit whatsoever in right. the market, but they get all the credit in the market. Like whether it's working with um, specific vendors in terms of collaborations, <laughs> that's one, there's several. Um, I mean, I could really go for a pretzel right now. <laughs> wink, wink. Um, but I mean, I feel like that's where I kind of, and even to this day, I'll see like a brewery or like they'll come out with a name that's so close right. to a name that we had, or even involves Queen City in the name. It's like, yeah. man, I wish we were so open because we sue you because we are Queen City Brewery and we still are. We still own the licenses and everything right. for various reasons. I'm not going to go into it. Okay. Um, <laughs> but even then, it's like, I think that's what bothers me more is where I see that. And granted it, it, I say it bothers me, but I also understand too, because I mean, we all kind of piggyback off of each other a little bit, you know? Um, so I think that that's where some of the jadedness kind of came from in the beginning and kind of some of it kind of lingers a little bit, but I'm so far removed from it now that it doesn't really bother me unless my wife comes across something on Facebook. Oh, did you see this? My God, (laughs) damn it. Like, are you kidding me? Um, I just let things go. Um, that's the other thing too. You know, when we opened the brewery, I, I was the oldest out of the group. I think I'm pretty sure I was the oldest out of the group. And now that I'm almost 40, it's like, I, I'm such a different person now, you know, um, calmer. I don't really get involved in stuff. I mean, even like when I post stuff on Facebook, uh, whether you like him, hate him or indifferent to Joe Rogan, his whole thing <laughs> is like you post and get the hell out of there. Yeah. <laughs> I just post things, get the hell out of there. You know, even with stuff with my family, I'll just post it. Even people put comments, like sometimes I'll like or comment back, yeah, but yeah. I don't even do that. It's like, I just post it and I'm out. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, the, it definitely bothered me in the very beginning. Cause it's like, how the hell is this place thriving? When I know, like, if you put our beers up against each other, we would win. Right. Um, but it is what it is, right? Did it change uh, the relationship between you and uh, your, your former partners? So are you guys still friends? Um, I'd say yes. Uh, I don't really talk to one one gentleman as much anymore ever since uh, probably, uh, actually he was the officiant in our wedding. We don't really talk too much anymore. Not sure where that's coming from. Um, and in fact, the one gentleman that uh, I had the most beef with, so to speak, we're actually closer now than ever. Um, we had, uh, if you're into Seinfeld at all and you, and they do Festivus instead of Christmas, the yeah. airing of grievances. Yeah. We kind of just kind of hashed it out. And like I said, now we're closer than ever. And, you know, we chat, I mean, he's not local anymore, but right. like we chat almost weekly and try to stay in touch with each other and each other's families. And we, we float our business idea back and forth because there's several ideas that are kind of wrapped up into one that we want to try to accomplish. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been a very unique kind of situation. Cause I remember I had a lot of, uh, internal anger, I guess yeah. at, at one point. And again, I don't know if it's because I aged a bit and a little more calmer, relaxed. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Well, when, when something like that in your life doesn't work out the way you want it to, like you're looking for, some reason. kind of reason. Yeah. And so it's, it's sometimes it's easy to just reach out to those people that were close by that were also kind of part of it and be like, Oh, it was your fault. <laughs> yeah. It was your fault. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's, it's hard to kind of, sometimes it's not anybody's fault. It just didn't work. And that's, that's a hard thing to kind of 
um, settle in, in your, in your mind, I think. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And you know, I think I did a lot of self-reflecting too. And as much at, at the time, you know, you want to point the finger at someone else. I mean, at the end of the day, I can really point the finger at myself. Um, there was definitely some things that I feel like I could have been more involved with in the very, very beginning, um, from a business plan standpoint that I just wasn't because, you know, at the time it's just like, Hey, we just need you to brew the beer. So that's your only responsibility. And then as, as time progressed and I saw the different avenues and outlets to which we could expand the business, whether it be from a merchandise perspective, a marketing perspective, unfortunately it was already kind of too late. Whereas if those plans were already in place earlier, who knows where, where we'd be today. Um, even from a rebranding standpoint, like we had our original logo, and then at some point it's like, you know, that logo doesn't really exemplify like really who we well, those are. Tap anymore. handles, the, the second round of tap handles, amazing. The yeah. ones with the, the the fountain on them. Still some of my favorite tap handles that have ever existed. Yeah. And then we changed it again. We only had one or two made, um, but because they were cast in uh in I forget if there's iron or metal. Um, but when I redid our logo, yeah. those came out. I think I, I still have it at the house. And I saw that I was like, man, that's that's who we are, yeah. you know? And, and I felt like, you know, there were some reasons why we did the fountain. It was aside from the fountain itself representing Cincinnati that we thought people would kind of uh, gravitate towards. Uh, and some people did, some people didn't. And then when I created the new logo and I created, kind of put like a lot of um, hidden meaning into like a lot of the different aspects yeah. of the new logo. And it was interesting because like people would ask, oh, yeah, you guys change the logo. You know what's going on here, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, well, this represents this. Boom, 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 boom. And I was like, holy crap. Like, yeah. that's such a good idea. It's like, yeah, it is. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for... Uh... Bring your friends in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but that's something else too, is that, you know, we didn't have staff and I almost feel like, you know, did we have the right people in place? Maybe, maybe not, depending on the situation. Um and then there was one staff member um, that apparently, you know, we found out and it's probably something else that kind of hurt our business that he was bad mouthing us, you know, stuff like that behind when he was even serving our beer. It's just like, how does that make sense, man? Yeah. Like we're giving you so much opportunity. I would try to include him on brew days to try to help out and stuff like that. It's like, how does this make sense? Like we're, we're supposed to be a family here and yeah. not really sure where this is even coming from, but yeah, what, are you, what are you trying to accomplish by by doing this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember I was actually sitting at the bar, not that this really relates to anything. I was sitting at the bar having a beer and I was building a new beer. And he was talking to like some of our patrons and they're talking about one of the beers that we just brewed that was on tap. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, I brewed this beer. And I'm like, what? <laughs> no, you did not, sir. But you know, I didn't even say anything. Just let it, let it slide because it is what it is type situation. But... Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of weird. When again, when 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 you make this place that is so so small, so community focused, so uh, clubhouse focused, like sometimes people feel a different way about certain parts of it that that maybe than they should. should. (laughs) And speaking of community, I mean, we we try to give back as often as we could, right? You know, in any way that we could, whether it's building blocks for kids. doing some stuff on the side, like something that uh, if you chat with Matt Damaris, there's one thing I did around the holidays where, you know, we did a clothing drive mm-hmm. and um, this lady reached out via Facebook and she's like, Hey, Oh, clothing and toys. I'm sorry. 
And we're, we're uh, donating the toys to uh, Ronald McDonald House. So I had some affiliation with them previously through my day job. And um, she had reached out. She's like, hey, you know, I've got my two kids. They got these challenges, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to be able to provide for them for the holidays. And I was like, okay, well, I took that offline. And, you know, I personally, you know, went out and bought, you know, toys and stuff just for her kids and personally went to her house and dropped them off. And I remember I was talking with Matt and he's like, man, you should put that on your Facebook, like show people like what you're really about. And it's like, that has nothing to do with our business though. You know, that one, in one way I could do that and put it out there that we helped a, a family. But to me, it was more important just to do it and help out out of the kindness of our heart. It, it should. And so here's, here's what I would say. You need a person in between you and all the other stuff that as, as, you as a business or you as a person are doing these things, they are then taking like, Oh, I'm going to tell people about this. Like you, right, need that, yeah. you need that buffer person. Yeah. Um, Cause I would argue that as a small brewery existing in blue ash, it makes so much more sense to take one or two families. Like, all right, you guys are going to be our, our people this year. Ronald McDonald house. It's great. And uh, I, you know, I don't know what you guys were able to raise for Ronald McDonald house as queen city brewery. But they didn't notice. Yeah. It was just, it was a little little drop in their bucket of this bigger machine that's working for them. Right. Whereas if you can take this family and this family, and be like, all right, I'm, you know, you guys had, you know, all of our, all of our people reached out and said that you guys needed this this year. And so we're helping you like that. That means a little different than. For sure. I think that is, is ignorance on my part at the time. Because I was like a buffer person. Yeah. Well, yeah, 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 for sure. I need a buffer person. Cause like I, at the time, even to this day, I was like, our beer should speak for itself. And, you know? and it should. And, but I think it was also that a closing window, like you mentioned earlier, there was a time where the beer would speak for itself. But then once all these larger, much, you know, uh, shinier kind of breweries kind of opened up, it, it was no longer about the beer speaking for itself. It was about all the other things that were encompassing that went into the breweries that people wanted to spend their money there, patronage right. there. They want to bring their kids there. And that was something else too. Like we were on the fence, like, well, do we allow kids or not? It's like, well, if we don't allow kids and we lose this whole market. In right. fact, you mentioned soccer moms earlier in our conversation. There was a moment where we would get these soccer moms every single weekend. And it's probably about, not a lot of them, probably about 30 or 40. Some, somewhere in that range. And they would come in religiously every single weekend. But then at some point they stopped coming in. And I was always kind of curious, like, well, why? Like what right. happened? What, what, at what point did you decide that we weren't a fit place for you? Like we welcomed you. We had your kids here. Um, we just asked that you minded your kids, you know, <laughs> things like that. Um, so yeah, so it was, it, was, it was very strange because we saw what was going on in other breweries and, you know, we tried to cater to the crowds that were also frequent those breweries and similarly pan. It could, it, it can also like sometimes with some places, um, you may, you may be very family friendly and kid friendly, but with how small the place is and how, how kind of, uh, customer oriented you are like the customers kind of decide the vibe of the place yeah, for sure. Much. And if, if one day the people that are sitting at your bar decide this is, we don't want this to be a kid friendly place anymore. People are going to pick up on that vibe quickly because it's, it's so small. Like yeah. you like it, the, the vibe that, that, that group of people decides on is what the place feels like then. Yeah. So maybe that's kind of what plays into it a little bit. 
And I can definitely say towards the end there, it definitely turned into a uh, quote unquote adult only yeah. type place. And I'm not saying like we did like had weird shows going on or anything, um, but it definitely turns like an adult only place where there's definitely adult, you know, conversations, you know, taking yeah. place and things like that. Um, I just, I, I just always thought it's always, you know, so funny because like we even, not that we went out of our way, but you know, we provide like crayons, coloring yeah. books, puzzles, all kinds of things for kids to there's, entertain at themselves. At a certain point but, as a business, there's nothing you can do yeah. if the people that are in there are are acting differently. A certain way, yeah. Yeah. They, they really make that decision at the end of the day. I mean, you can kind of force people into a certain kind of uh, uh, perspective or mode, I guess, but yeah. you know, it's, it's hard <laughs> when, yeah. it's, when it's that small, they're going to, they're going to make it what they want it to be. Yeah. And I remember that there was this one gentleman, I always, I felt so bad. Because he would come in, he was a little bit older, I don't know, maybe in his late 50s, early 60s. Very he, old. Very old, <laughs> super old. Way older than me at 40. Um, but like he would come in with his wife. His wife didn't want anything to do with beer. We could tell. She never drank beer. She always got a water. And she'd sit there with her husband while he had like two or three pints. And then by the end of the night, he'd grab a growler and then head on their way. That's every wife. Every single weekend they were God in there. God bless her. Yeah. Every single weekend they were in there. And then I noticed that, you know, things kind of change in the environment and the music kind of changed in the environment and she really didn't show up with him anymore. And then because he wasn't showing up or she wasn't showing up with him anymore, then starts become less frequent. He became Mm -hmm. less frequent. He'd only come in like maybe on certain like holidays and things like that to grab growler to go. And then we just kind of stopped seeing them all together. And to me is, is very sad to see that change. Um, and, and I think too, Part of that is, is again, I have to self-reflect, you know, because at the time I was in Columbus um, doing my day thing. And so I was only coming down on the weekend. So I had no control over what was going on in the tap room at the right. times, what kind, what kind of clientele. I mean, you never really have control of your clientele, uh, things to that degree. But, you know, in hindsight, it's like, man, uh, maybe it would have been different if I was, you know, more in the Cincinnati yeah. area full time, things like that, more present. Because, like, for me, the group was just like, well, just come in prep the night before, brew, clean up Sunday, and get the hell out of here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, in hindsight, you know, I, 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 I wish things could have been different, but I can't really change those things. The only thing I can do is, you know, make changes and, and do things better moving forward in, in case things do come to fruition. Right. Just learn from it somehow. I mean, not even, even if assuming you never open another brewery, you never go back into the industry, just use that as a way to kind of drive other things in your life. Of, right. You know, if, if, if something is going to be yours, uh, take ownership of it and, yeah. and, and, and know kind of that you have to, you got to pay attention to all of the little pieces of it that are happening. Yeah. Not to say that the pieces were wrong, but, um, it, it definitely, it, it, it was, it was different at some times than it was other times. And yeah, I feel uh, like the later in the night it got, uh, that happens everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Weirder it got. <laughs> that happens everywhere. Uh, Let's drink this last beer yeah. and I want to talk about uh, uh, kind of where you are in your life now. Uh, smoked Porter. Um, I love smoked beers. How, what is your smoked beer? Uh, so it's been a minute since I've had a smoked beer, but God damn, that's pretty good. Definitely feel it come through on there. And again, same thing with like the, the smell on it. You don't really pick anything too much on the smell, no, but as soon as you take that sip. There is a, a wide spectrum of smoke in beers. Sometimes it goes way over the top. Yeah. Fryer bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you don't get enough of it. Yeah. Uh, this is good, especially with a place that makes food to me. Like it, it, 
you know, this would go really good with a lot of food yeah. and, um, um, like it, they do their pizzas in the, uh, the, the wood fire oven or whatever. Um, this, this would go great with it. Yeah, definitely. That's good really beer. good. Good beer, especially again on a rainy day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so for me, uh, in my life, in the last couple of years, as, as I had kids and the kids got older and I started to kind of reflect on who I was and what I was doing as a, as a career and as a, as a person, uh, they kind of shifted my frame of reference for a lot of that where, uh, like I would find myself, especially with the, the, the last kid, the, 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 the crazy one, <laughs> it was, it was a little baby. And I remember sitting in a chair with him trying to get him to go to sleep. And I'm sitting there and I'm talking to him and I'm, you know, as a parent, oh, you're going to do amazing things in life. You know, whatever you want to do, you can do, you know, you, the world is yours and you're going on this thing and, you know, you know, whatever you want to be, just be it. Like you're, you're trying to tell this to your kid and, uh, and I'm sitting there and uh, he goes to sleep and I put him in bed and I'm like, oh shit. Like I'm sitting here telling him all this stuff and I'm not doing it. Like yeah. I, I have this thing in my head of who I am and what I what I want to do. And I, I, I was doing it a little bit, but I wasn't really doing it. I was not putting the effort into it that I was wanting him in his life to put into it. Uh, knowing you and knowing the passion that you put into this brewery, having a kid, how does that, how does that change things <laughs> or, or, or does it? You know, I don't like, does it ignite some other thing inside of you? Like, Oh, like when, when, like, you know, when your kid girl, boy, boy. So when he's like old enough that he's like, Hey, you know, you know, at school we're talking about what our parents do. Like, what do you do? And you like have to be like, Oh yeah, like, here's what I do. Do you know what daddy used to do? Right. (laughs) Like you show pictures and you're like, Oh, daddy made beer. And like, it's this thing. Like how in your head, how do you, how do you go down that road? You know, that, that's great. It's a very uh, big question. Huge, <laughs> Especially huge question. Several beers, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely want to take a different approach from my dad. Um, I mean, love him to death. Great person, great oh, inspiration. I'm, I'm right there with you. What did your dad do? So my dad owns his own business. Um, he did it because the person he was working for was retiring, wanted to keep it going. So he sold it off to my, my, my father. So my dad does, um, at the time it wasn't graphic design. Uh, it was just advertising. Right. So do working with photographs, you know, fixing them up, all things like that. And then he really adapted to, he got one of the first, um, you know, Macintosh before it just became Mac. Is he still around? Yes. Yes. Um, so, you know, he got into that, you know, kind of pioneered himself into just being a well-rounded graphic designer, working in an advertising agency. He owns it. It's just him. He just works alone. Uh, but he just works kind of more so with like private big businesses, things. Like and he started to downgrade a little bit as he's getting older. Right. He's in his, uh, you know, early to mid 70s. So he's trying to, you know, slow life down a little sure. bit. Um, but when I was growing up, you know, I was very much involved with creative things, you know, whether it's music, art. Um, I was also a very, I still am a very passionate hockey player. I remember I had these dreams of playing in the NHL when I was a kid. Um, and I think there might've been a moment where I could have, <laughs> could have, I, I, I think you could have, I could have, um, <laughs> chose not to, yeah, we'll have a few more beers and you'll just agree with me. Um, but, but you know, he was just of the mindset like, no, he's like, don't do what I did. Cause I also wanted to work for myself. And in fact, at one point I wanted to take over his business when I, I mean, granted I was like 13, 14, sure. 
I want to take over his business. And he was just like, no, don't do it. He's like, don't own your own business. He's like, you're better off getting a four-year degree, going to college, you know, working for a corporation, getting health insurance, blah, 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 all these things. And to agree, yeah, that, that really has kind of paved a, a life for myself, but I don't feel fulfilled right. in any way. The money's great. Take care of my family, like I said. Um, but there's something missing. And if I can give my son any advice, it's, and I granted, you know, <laughs> it's funny because parents are like, oh, you can be whatever you want to be. I mean, granted, okay, there are certain limitations. Like right. if there's a physical limitation or something like that, yeah. like if you really, like I also wear contacts and stuff, like if you really can't see, you're not going to be a fighter pilot <laughs> and you're not going to go to space. <laughs> so that was my, my thing as a, as a young, young teenager, probably before that, even, you know, watching Top Gun, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to be a fighter pilot. And right. I, that's all. Meanwhile, I've got these glasses, and <laughs> <laughs> but, but nobody told me I couldn't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I remember even to this day and for, I don't know if my dad will listen to this or not, but to this day, like, you know, I create artwork when I was a kid and I was so good at when I was much younger. And then I kind of, you know, as I got older, I kind of moved away from it. But I remember I'd show him and I'm like, Hey, what do you think of this? Oh yeah, that's okay. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> or like when I was in high school, I was in film and photography and I was taking these, you know, and I remember for the holidays that year, like the only thing I want is an SLR. I just want a professional level camera. I want to get into right. photography. And that year for the holidays, my dad bought my sister's, SLR cameras and I got the newest video game. I'm like, what the fuck? But so anyway, so he really kind of tried to push me into like a corporate yeah. environment. And like I said, yes, working for a corporation, there's perks to it, but I wake up every day unfulfilled. You know, I, I do my day job. I'm actually bored with my job. I've even expressed that to my boss. Like, Hey, what I do is boring. Is there anything else I can do in the company? Blah, blah. blah. And, and even even from that perspective, it's almost like dad again. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah. well, why do you even focus on that? Just focus on what you're doing and all those other things. So, I mean, if I can give him any advice, like, look, man, like, whatever you're passionate about, like, pursue it. Like, yeah. pursue it to, to the nth degree, you know, and if it doesn't work if out. it fails, it fails. Yeah, it fails. And as long as you develop yourself along the way, you develop necessary skills along the way outside of your passions, yeah. then you're going to be good, you know, and you don't have to make xyz dollars every single year you don't have to do this you don't have to do that you just and i'm not saying that you just pursue only the things that make you happy because we've also kind of seen the flip side of that sure. you kind of live in echo chamber and blah, blah blah all those things but yeah just just do what you want to do man and I, I really hope i can show him some of these things that i've done in the past and maybe some of that will ignite a flame under him or maybe some of the things i do in the future yeah. Uh, if I do pursue going into whatever it is that I decide to do here, um, hopefully that ignites a flame him and he wants to do those things. Um, and then the other thing too is like, you know, don't listen, you know, to the critics. Don't listen to anybody. Don't well, listen to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like just don't listen. Yeah. Because that's, that's again, like the biggest thing I've kind of taken away from it is that, you know, there's plenty of people that want to offer you advice or they want to critique you and this and that, but they've never lived in your shoes. Yeah. You know, they'll never know what you're actually truly thinking or how you truly feel. I mean, you know, for a minute there, when we did close shop at Queen City Brew and we got all this hate from the people, like, I internalized that for a moment. And it, it really does affect you because it's like, I'm still a real person. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard because like, you know, when, when you need help with something or you need, you need guidance towards something, like obviously reach out to people that you trust and you love and, and, and they can help you kind of figure yourself out. But at the end of the day... 
Like you just do you and it may not work. It, it, it may, it may fail. It may close. It may turn into something else. It may like, and that's okay. Use that. And then keep going because every, every failure that happens is just like that, that step into the next thing. Yeah, like it's, it's an that, opportunity for growth. It's that next thing. And just, just keep always moving and keep always evolving and growing. My dad, um, when I was a little kid, uh, we're getting really personal here. When, my, my, when I was a little kid, my dad uh, worked for Davy Tree, which is uh, here local. And he, uh, they're, they're bigger than that, but he was here um, in the Goshen area. And uh, he was growing within that company. He was a forestry major and just absolutely loved like plants and trees and all that shit. And as, as he kind of was growing in the company, became a district manager and kind of got transferred around and stuff. And, uh, uh, that was, I was born in West Virginia because he was out just in the hills of West Virginia working for this, this tree company. It was a great job. And, uh, then uh, my parents got divorced and, uh, as soon as they got divorced, he, for some reason, became a car salesman. <laughs> and uh, the rest of my life, he was a salesman of something. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of bounced around all these different types of sales jobs. Um, I was probably, I don't know, 13 or 14 or something. One day we went out for dinner. I was um, up there hanging out with him. And uh, we were sitting over this, this uh, we were Applebee's. <laughs> we, we had this dinner and... Uh, he, he said, I, you're not old enough to ask me questions about my life. He's like, but I want you to know that I messed up. He's like, I loved what I did and I don't love what I do and don't make that mistake. And I, I can't get out of my head now. And yeah. it's, it's, it's like, it's sunk into my very being now that I will never love what I did, not love what I do. Right. I, I don't know how you like, I don't, I don't know how you, tell that to your kids though. I don't know how you like instill that in them from a young age. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. I mean, obviously I only have a six week year old at this point and you know, even thinking about future conversations I might have with him, mm-hmm. even that I'm kind of challenged with, Oh, it's hard, you know, cause it's like, well, how do I point you in the right direction without being that parent yeah. that's trying to like mold your life for you? Yeah. Like you need to, your own life. You need to create your own molds or break the mold. Yeah. I have to, I, I'm going to tell you what to do. And I really hope you don't listen to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like give me some pushback. Yeah. Like maybe you can teach me something. Yeah. Um, and that's where, you know, I am kind of hoping and, and I hate using the word hope. Um, but I am hoping that, you know, aside from the conversation, future conversations I have with him, that I could also be that example. Like I don't want to be in the role or position I'm in forever. Like I, I do want there to be this, this catalyst. I want there to be this change. Um, you know, whether that's, you know, partnering with other folks to, to accomplish this dream that I have, that I, I talked to my wife about, and even like I share with her, like the idea and she's just like, Jesus Christ, that's such do a it. good idea. She's like, we should just do it. We should just, you know, cash out our 401ks or investments. Just, just do it because it's going to work. And I was like, I, I know it's going to work, but I think there's also like that, and, and I don't know where it came from considering that, you know, I, I am a risk taker, but there is this trepidation. I think currently of, well, especially, of taking that risk. Especially once you have kids, like it, it becomes this whole other thing of like, you look at them like, Oh shit. Like I, I should have done this 10 years ago. I should have like, that was when yeah. I was able to take risks. I should have done this, you know, then like it's, it's hard. And, yeah. Um, 
I'm excited for whatever your future holds. Uh, I'm not going to be a happy beer, beer drinker if I don't get to try another one of your beers before <laughs> uh, before I, I don't know, switch to seltzer or whatever <laughs> my future holds. <laughs> uh, is there anything you, you want people to know about Queen City Brewery of Cincinnati and Blue Ash that you think that they don't currently know? Um, you know, I think it just kind of goes back to just knowing who we were. Um, we were just a few guys that just had a profound love for the city, a profound love for the beer or just beer in general, not the beer. Um, and we really just wanted to share that with everybody. Um, it, it's unfortunate the things, you know, they kind of ended the way that they did and, and some of the, the backlash that we got in the community. And I use that term loosely. I don't want to, any emails either. Sure. Um, but you know, it's just who we were and we were very passionate about it and we wanted to bring something unique and special um, to the beer scene. Um, I would say that, you know, maybe just kind of keep a lookout. I don't know if we're going to rebrand. I don't know if we're going to do something together. I don't know if it's going to be queen city again. Um, but there's definitely something I think in the future that's going to be coming down the pike. And I think it's going to be something that's very unique. Um, something that kind of everybody will kind of enjoy because there's definitely going to be a heart to Cincinnati. There's definitely going to be a lot of give back, so to speak, uh, payback as well. Not in a negative way. That sounds really <laughs> weird. We're going to poison. All of you. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I, I think there's something that's very special that that's kind of brewing, um, that we might be bringing to the surface here. Hopefully, oh, hopefully soon, um, sooner than later, but probably later than soon, but we'll see how it goes. And, and we just hope that, you know, people, uh, if they did have a, a negative view of us or um, kind of looked at us in, in any type of frame of reference that just wasn't in, in very healthy, um, that they kind of put that behind them. Right. I think that this is a kind of a time of, you know, change and uh, looking through, looking at things through like a new lens. Um, you know, don't look at anything that was circling around the industry, which I don't even think is the industry. I think it was more so outliers of the industry that kind of circulated some things, but you know, we had nothing but love for our customers, nothing but love for Cincinnati, nothing but love for, for, you know, beer itself. And, um, yeah, I think that's about it. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for the potential of things. I'm excited to, to kind of, I guess gives me a good uh, day to kind of revisit uh, Queen City in my mind and what, and what, what I've learned from a place like that and how it kind of factors into all this stuff that's happening now, which not that the stuff that happen is happening now isn't great because it is, but like there, there are some things that are missing that I think you guys, uh, you guys were on to that. I think, uh, we need, yeah, we'll just get rid of the ceiling tiles next time. <laughs> that, was, that was not even on my radar. <laughs> get rid of the, the pallet uh, couches before the ceiling tiles. Uh, uh, if you guys want to know more about these guys, go read the history on the website because they, they aren't around anymore. And that's, uh, uh, a tragedy. Uh, we'll be back next week. Sensei Brewcast. It's the voice of Sensei Craft. 